1: Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois, and thank you for joining our program here this morning. It is Monday. Monday, I think it's December 20th, a couple days before Christmas, and Merry Christmas to everybody, and uh, thanks for taking some time to uh, listen to our show. We have a very... A good lineup here this morning, and uh, what I'd like to do is uh, just kind of kick off the intro of the program, introducing some of the guests. Uh, Our first guest is uh, Christopher Ross. He'll be talking about the the situation uh, going on uh, across the globe and in the United States regarding the resettling of refugees. Uh, He works for Catholic Charities USA, those refugees from Afghanistan primarily. And then we're going to switch gears. We'll talk to Steve Jacobs. He is the program director for Illinois Right to Life. And he's going to be talking to us about uh, the Dobbs decision, the Illinois, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, hearing on December 2nd, I think it was, regarding uh, the Roe v. Wade uh, issue and abortion. And then we'll switch gears and talk to uh, Kevin Grillo. He is the director of a group called We Dignify. There's a big rally, a big march going on in Chicago on January 8th. And we're going to talk to Kevin a little bit about that and make people aware of that event and hopefully they can attend. Uh, it's, a, it's a very uh, uplifting event every year that happens in Chicago. And then finally, we'll uh, talk to uh, somebody at the Arch here. I think it's going to be Marguerite Zappa. She's going to talk a little bit about the scholarship tax credit uh, and give people some suggestions about uh, how to donate to that very worthy cause that uh, sets up scholarships for middle and low-income families so they can attend a non-public, non-public school. So, uh, with the further ado, let's uh, get right to our first guest this morning, and he is joining us from, I think, Washington, D.C., or the area of Washington, D.C., and I uh, just realized this morning, Christopher, you have been with us before. Christopher Ross from uh, Catholic Charities USA. Can you hear me okay? Yep, I can. Let's be with
2: you
1: again. Yeah, thank <clears throat> you. You know, I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, sometimes we do things quickly, and uh, I was just going through some old program notes, and uh, there your name was, so you have been on before talking about uh, a similar subject. So th- thank you for joining us again. Um, do you go by Christopher or Chris?
2: Uh, either is fine. Christopher yeah. works.
1: I have a son named Christopher, so this is always a challenge. Uh, Christopher, thanks for taking some time to join us this morning. Um, so you're with Catholic Charities USA and have been there for some time. And, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, the subject of resettling um, people from, uh, been involved with uh, difficult situations across the globe, and some come here to the United States to help get resettled. And I know in the news recently, in particular, ha- it's been about the uh, Afghan refugees. Can you kind of give us an update on on how, how are we doing? I saw a story in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend. It was kind of interesting talk about some of those numbers of people who have who are here and uh, beginning to get resettled, and but it looks like we have a, a little bit of ways to go.
2: Yeah, so uh, right now uh, there are uh, a number of army bases that are housing uh, Afghan arrivals uh, who were evacuated out of uh, Kabul, as we all saw in the news uh, back in August, and so they are in uh, safe haven communities. Uh, our agencies are involved in providing services uh, on those army bases, We're also um, uh, directly involved in the resettlement aspect. Once uh, folks do leave the Army base and join their new communities, uh, our agencies are are, um, uh, part of the USCCB uh, VOLAG network, uh, and uh, they do the resettlement work uh, in the United States. They're one of nine VOLAGs in the country.
1: And tell us CCUSA's role in all that.
2: Sure. So uh, USCCB, as I mentioned, is the VOLAG, uh, but I would say they use our many of our agencies as a conduit to do the actual resettlement work. And so, uh, we have a lot of collaboration. Uh, I, I work with, um, uh, uh, USCCB folks on refugee resettlement, uh, frequently. Um, and our agencies are really doing the case management work, uh, which means, uh, once, once a family arrives, they're picking them up at the airport. Uh, they are uh, bringing them to their temporary housing or their new apartments, and then uh, uh, setting them up to go to school for the kids or um, uh, finding housing in general uh, and and things like that. So really kind of getting situated uh, as they begin their new life here in the
1: United States. So these are, uh, I think the number I read, I think there was like 74,000 who have uh, been uh, evacuated to the United States from Afghanistan, and I think I read approximately like 40,000 have, of those 74,000, about 40,000 have been moved from uh, a base, an army base, I guess it was, and then moved into the into communities. And there's like about 30,000 remaining on army bases throughout the country. Does that sound about right?
2: Yeah, I'd have to check the numbers. They change uh, yeah, uh, regularly sure. every week, but um, there, there is certainly an effort to to get folks into their new communities. Um, which uh, is, is a challenge. I, I can't uh,
1: I can uh, deny
2: that. Uh, our, our agencies are doing incredible work uh, in, in uh, finding housing for a large population. Um, uh, and so um, there, I think going into the next couple of months, there's uh, definitely a challenge ahead of, uh, of uh, resettling everyone because the number is just so
1: large. And, and these are families, lar- uh, by and large, they're, they're families, a couple kids, I would imagine, from one to I don't know how many children, and, and they probably speak, Did they speak any English at all? Are they familiar at all with where they are or, or, or what's happening to them?
2: Sure, it depends. Uh, 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 they are an SIV uh, uh, recipient family. Uh, that more than likely means uh, they, they have very good English-speaking skills because they did... Uh, uh, translation work uh, mm-hmm. in Afghanistan for our military, um, uh, and and so it's it's the full range. You know, uh, uh, people who uh, were able to evacuate and and uh, are are really starting over in their new life because they were uh, able to uh, to get out of the country. Um, it it really is across the the gamut. But of the Afghans I've met personally, uh, their English has been incredibly. Um, uh, good. Good. And, um, you know, I think, uh, depending on, um, it's going to vary for each family.
1: Is there a place in the United States where they tend to go? I, I I think we've seen in the past, like, you know, there's, there's pockets of like Somalians up in Minnesota and, uh, you know, other, other populations have, have come over here. They settle like those pockets of, uh, uh, Ethiopians, I think, in, in the D.C. area, so, are they are they just all over the country, or they tend to migrate towards a couple different places?
2: Uh, certainly, um, uh, the media has reported that Sacramento and the D.C. area are major destination areas because okay. there are communities there already right. that exist. Right. So, um, like you say, if a community exists, uh, there, there is an interest to go there. But there's also, if folks have a, a point of contact in the United States, uh, whether that be a U.S. citizen or another family mm-hmm. member, um, that's also of interest of where they're going to go. So, you know, as as you would expect, if you have family, if you have a connection uh, uh, to a certain town or, or area because you know someone, uh, there, there's a desire to go there. So those U.S. point of contacts are all across the country, um, and our agencies, we fully expect uh, we've, we've kind of prepared our agencies uh, with some webinars of how they can prepare because we do anticipate they will uh, encounter uh, Afghan arrival work in one way or the other.
1: And I, I know, because in particular, uh, Catholic Charities in the Rockford Diocese here, and, and to a degree in Chicago, I think as well, have been, uh, I know in Rockford in particular, that they have been interested in, in taking various refugees from, from all over the world in the past. I've been to a couple of their events out there. And so you primarily work with Catholic Charities agencies sort of on the ground all across the country. So they're really the people that I think what you're saying is your role is to kind of facilitate uh, getting them to the case management. And so does the local Catholic Charities agency kind of take it from there in coordination with others, other other not-for-profit groups?
2: Uh, Correct. So the the, the VOLAGs, the volunteer agencies uh, such as USCCB, Uh, are are the ones who work directly with the U.S. State Department, and then uh, they use our agencies uh, as a conduit to do that work. And so, uh, like I mentioned, we do a lot of uh, uh, connected work with um, uh, the refugee resettlement folks at USCCB. Mm -hmm. Um, We help with providing uh, essentially whatever our agencies ask uh, help for. And so, uh, particularly for the Afghan arrivals, we've been um, very fortunate to have a relationship with uh, Airbnb uh, for temporary housing. And so, as these folks are coming off the base, uh, they're either going to end up in end up in a hotel room uh, for an extended stay, or uh, uh, Airbnb has been a fantastic uh, organization in providing temporary housing uh, for for these families. So, you know, as you can imagine, uh, 30 days in a hotel is fine. But if you can have a a, a home, it's a a different feel. And so uh, for these large families, uh, you know, having more space uh, is is a better accommodation. And so we've been providing uh, help with our agencies uh, on that, Uh, uh, trying to get them connected with Airbnbs and then uh, providing other assistance wherever we can
1: it's interesting the story i think i was reading over the weekend uh it, it did mention airbnb being a vital uh player in trying to help uh provide places for these refugees to live and it was interesting they also mentioned starbucks as being a, an employer and offering jobs to to many of the people seeking employment as well as cvs it's it's sort of, sort of interesting to see how uh you know private companies are really stepping up to, to help people and uh it's nice to read that 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 especially this time of the year um, and that it, it, maybe there's just so many job openings that this kind of serves a need for them. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of nice to see that uh, that many companies stepping up to, to help people who really need it.
2: Yep, it's been great. Uh, the Afghan arrivals uh, uh, are eligible for employment authorization, so they're uh, ready to get working once they have that. Uh, and, and it really has been kind of inspiring to see, uh, the the entire nation respond to this. Uh, I can't tell you at the at the beginning when the evacuations were happening, large swaths of the community were were um, uh, providing assistance to these families. They wanted to help, they wanted to contribute. Um, and and that's really kind of spilled over, I think, uh, with these companies who are really helping our efforts in uh, giving these families what they need to start their new lives. So, it it does make you proud um, uh, to see that.
1: That's great. Um, you know, as we were talking here, the the producers are scrolling uh, your website, and uh, it has on the Catholic Charities USA website the, a, a page about immigration refugee services. And just in closing, Chris, is there like a, a website that you want to give to people that, to help them donate, or if they, I don't know, uh, whatever you services you coordinate, is there a Uh, a good website to provide to individuals if they're willing to help?
2: Yeah, so uh, you're welcome to uh, look at our page, catholiccharitiesusa.org. We, as I said, are are helping all of our agencies across the country as needs arise, Uh, but you should—I also recommend you look at your local uh, Catholic Charities Agency uh, and and contact them, uh, because they probably do have a website up as well, on what their needs are, uh, uh, volunteer opportunities, things like that. So uh, we, we take it from the national perspective, but right. definitely would recommend you looking at the local perspective too.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the things you said it was interesting too is uh, just w- one more thought. Uh, I think you were saying that you know 74,000 individuals are, are here, but I think there's like 60,000 more that are still in Afghanistan who could be coming over eventually in that next wave or something like that. So it looks like uh, th- there's there's been a lot of great work done uh but it looks like uh the demand will will continue in over the next whatever what are we in 2022 next year uh that th- this is going to be something that we're going to be dealing with for quite a while
2: yep uh there, there are uh, uh still uh afghans in in other uh, countries uh on other armory bases called uh, uh they're calling them lily pad countries uh where they're awaiting their entry into the u.s uh but the work certainly is going to be here for a while and um uh, I'm proud of that with Catholic Charities. You know, Even if it's not on the front pages anymore, uh, we're still doing that work uh, because it's important work, and these families need help.
1: Great. Chris, thanks for taking some time this morning. Um, really appreciate it, and uh, we'll keep talking about this and make people aware about it. And uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas to you and your family.
2: Thank you. You too. Merry Christmas to everyone. Great.
1: Thanks. That's Christopher Ross. He is a Vice President of Migration and Refugee Resettlement Services with Catholic Charities USA. Don't call back. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We're going to be talking to Stephen Jacobs. He's the Program Director for LNA Right to Life. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, recent Supreme Court uh, discussion on the Dobbs case. We'll be right back.
0: about year-end contributions, we at Catholic Charities thank you for considering a donation. 100% of every donation goes directly to our charitable work. Every donation allows us to continue to offer programs and services that affirm, strengthen, and empower those we serve as they work toward becoming self-sufficient. We are financially independent from the Archdiocese of Chicago and we are proud of our Platinum GuideStar rating as a nonprofit. For more than 100 years, Catholic Charities has been helping homeless, hungry, and troubled neighbors in Cook and Lake counties. We would be honored to have your support in our 2021 year-end appeal. Visit catholiccharities.net to donate or call 312-948-6087. The number again is 312-948-6087. Thank you for being partners with us in the mission of Catholic
3: Charities.
2: We are at the Most Blessed Trinity Parish Food Pantry in Waukegan. And here we uh, care for people in need. There was definitely an uptick in the needs for services. We doubled our volume after COVID hit from servicing about 250 families a week to about 500 a week.
4: We supply bread, tortillas, vegetables, milk, cheese,
0: butter, uh, proteins, fish, chicken, eggs.
3: Well, The Annual Catholic Appeal has
2: been a tremendous help to us, especially over the past year and a half. Without the Annual Catholic Appeal, we might have to close our doors. Um, Our parish is the largest one in the Archdiocese, but it's very poor. We think about food, and we think about nourishment, but we also
0: nourish the soul, provide that connection to humanity. The good works here are made possible through the Annual Catholic Appeal, Make your gift at annualcatholicappeal.com.
5: At Catholic Charities, we fight hunger in Chicago throughout the year. Our six regional offices in Cook and Lake Counties work together to offer sit down and to go meals to anyone in need. We deliver meals to those who are homebound and our eight food pantries offer three to four days of food supplies based on household size. Participants in these programs have the opportunity to learn about other Catholic Charity services that strengthen individuals, families, and their communities. The challenges for those dealing with food insecurity are especially great during the winter months. To learn how you can help those who are hungry in your neighborhood, visit CatholicCharities.net or call 312-655-7525. That's 312-655-7525. Thank you for your generosity.
1: Welcome everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois and thanks for joining our program this morning. Our next guest with us is I was calling him Stephen Jacobs. He's actually a doctor. Dr. Stephen Jacobs. He's the program director with Illinois Right to Life and hopefully he is on the line with us. Uh Stephen, are you with us? There he is. He is I with am. us. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Good to see you. Um Thanks for taking some time this morning to join us. Um, I I don't mean to throw you a curveball here, but uh, we should probably mention that uh, on Friday afternoon, I think it was like at two o'clock, our illustrious governor uh, signed the repeal of the Illinois parental notification law. So uh, it's not that it was unexpected. I guess the only thing unexpected was the unexpected, which is I I knew he was going to do it at an inopportune time. But. Friday afternoon, the week before Christmas is, well, that's pretty much time when nobody's paying attention. So that shows you how popular this thing is. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah, you guys saw that, I'm sure. And I think you guys put out a statement saying, thanks. <laughs> but yeah, 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 I don't know. What, what are you going to do? Um, so you, you uh, I'm sure, followed the, uh, the, 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 the oral arguments on the uh, Dobbs case. Um, any thoughts, any reflections, any observations?
4: Yeah, so uh, I'd written about this in a recent Newsweek piece, but my my sense was there was enough discussion to give me hope that the court is going to discuss the ways in which things have changed since Roe v. Wade, uh, the, the decision was issued in 1973, such that the court is not only able to, but is actually required to overturn Roe v. Wade, uh, Roe v. Wade. Um, so this was clear in some of the discussion on safe haven laws. Yeah. So whereas in 1973, a woman actually had a legal obligation to raise her child if she couldn't uh, put it up for adoption or find somebody else to raise the child. And today in all 50 states, we have these safe haven laws whereby any young parent can extinguish their relationship to the child. They could give up custody by dropping the child off at a police station or a fire station. So that, that is just one clear piece of evidence that while in 1973, a woman faced certain detriments associated with child rearing, that you know, if she became pregnant out of wedlock, she could be fired from her job you know there was all these forms of discrimination back then and we also have laws nowadays uh the pregnancy non-discrimination act we have family medical leave act there's just a litany of a uh, different piece of le- le- uh, legislation as well as government programs that have ameliorated the concerns of unwanted child rearing Yeah. so uh, that's just one clear piece of evidence that. If in 1973, those laws were in place, they wouldn't have issued that decision. And uh, based on Supreme Court precedent, if a precedent is no longer justified by the original decisions, justifications, then that's cause for overturning the precedent.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You're citing that Amy Coney Barrett argument that I think that she she put forth on the uh safe haven uh reality that existed it didn't exist, you know, in 1973, which I never really thought of, but I I think that is a very effective argument. Um we'll we'll see, we'll see how this plays out. Um you know, I'm assuming what late June we'll probably get this decision right before it's always they always save the most controversial ones towards the end, and I think they have a self-imposed deadline of releasing these opinions before June 30th, I think it is. Um, so I'm sure that last week of June is going to be fun. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about, let, let's say you're right. Um, I hope you're right. And uh, Roe falls, uh, let's say we get a decision where the the assumption that many of us think, uh, they'll just put it back to the states. States decide. Federal government's kind of out of it. Uh, you guys all figure it out what does a post row world look like because part of me is optimistic but part of me is also very concerned about that um state like illinois i mean we really have no protections for the unborn that i can think of uh maybe there are some but but I, I can't think of any. So I, I suppose we could even go more the other way with like what California's proposing, these abortion sanctuary laws where they'll pay your plane tickets and everything to have an ab- abortion yeah. here in Illinois. Um, that concerns me. But but what do you think is going to happen nationally? Um, I don't know. I, I really I'm not I'm not so sure about this. I some of my colleagues in states um, where I think we're in pretty good shape are concerned about it. Um other others, I, I'm not sure. What, what do you think a post throw world looks like after we get the original like hair on fire? The world's going to end for about what? It's going to last for a couple weeks. I'm sure the media is going to lose its mind if if what the scenario you and I are laying out comes into fruition.
4: Yeah, that that was certainly what I thought would happen. But there's been such a tepid response to even the Texas law being yeah. upheld, the Texas heartbeat law, which is effectively. Uh, Uh, overturned Roe v. Wade in the state of Texas. Uh, I actually read a few articles analyzing the media's reaction and the social media reaction. And they were quite perplexed by the fact that most of the discussion has just taken place on the pro-life side, being so happy about this victory. And there just hasn't been the pushback that they were expecting. And I mean, part of it might be that this is just a, a great moment given that there are, uh, and when I say a great moment, a great moment for calmer heads to prevail, right? Cooler heads to prevail. And it's partially because uh, the bandwidth is just taken up by the coronavirus, Mm -hmm. the economy, everything that's going on with the current president. Uh, So I I really think that there won't be that moment, but in terms of what will happen after that moment, I think that we're gonna see uh, within the coming years, uh, between the trigger laws that will immediately go into effect once Roe is overturned. So abortion bans uh, in, in, I think it might be about a dozen states. But uh, basically within a couple of years, there should be 20 to 30 states that have banned abortion throughout pregnancy. So the the real battle that's upcoming is going to be over um, the the. Abortion pill, right? That's Uh, where I was going to go. We recently just Mm -hmm. saw this, that the FDA lifted the ban such that it can be mailed to women without confirmation of a pregnancy. And I mean, we even saw this, uh, there was a stunt outside the Supreme Court where women were purportedly taking uh, abortion pills just to supposedly show how safe they are, Uh. even though they, they weren't pregnant. And when we see these studies coming out, like the Charlotte Logere Institute is publicizing a study that showed that there's a much higher incidence of uh, hospital visits as as well as deaths associated with the abortion pill than even the traditional surgical abortion method. And that a lot of these get miscoded as miscarriages Mm -hmm. versus abortions. So, I mean, we've seen this in in abortion reporting for decades, the misreporting, but supposedly it's even worse when it comes to the the abortion pill. So I I think, and this had been predicted in the Washington Post a few years back, that if abortion becomes illegal, that it'll just be a battle over the abortion pill, which means that... This will become more more akin to the drug wars that we've seen over the uh, uh, previous decade. That we we will not see uh, abortion clinics, you know, legal abortion clinics like we once did um, mm-hmm. pre, uh, before Roe, but rather it'll just be um, a fight over the the abortion pills being um, you know sent uh, across state lines. Yep. Even uh, across the Country. ocean, you know, right. ordering them from China.
1: and Yeah, yeah. that's what I hear. India is apparently is a big producer of these. Oh, yeah. So, so Steve, that's an interesting supposition. So, uh, you know, does that kind of put us right back to square one in some ways where we are advocating for life and the the rights of the unborn child and to not— take those pills and that kind of thing. I, I'm just thinking like how this plays out. Um, women who become pregnant are still going to f- be in that situation where they, some of them are, are fearful, they're concerned, they feel that they're alone. They fear instead of calling the clinic, then they're going to call the, the drug company. So are we just kind of like still doing the same thing, but maybe in a different arena? In that trying to reach yeah. out to women who are pregnant and vulnerable and how to best reach them?
4: No, I totally understand your concern. And I, I think I've gained now, now that we face this reality, right? Yeah, it's yeah. It was so important to get to the moment of overturning Roe. I mean, it's been this five foot ceiling right above our heads in terms of our ability to protect women, to protect unborn children. And now that we're actually at that moment, now we have to do the hard part of, okay, well, what are we gonna do with this opportunity to actually save lives? So let's start by saying, it's a miracle that this is happening. Um, And if, if it does get overturned, I like I said, I gained new appreciation for those who say we we can't just change the law. We need to change hearts and minds. We need to change the culture. Right. 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 Now, I personally think the law and when I say personally, a lot of people say this, but uh, the law is teacher. So by virtue of it becoming illegal, Mm -hmm. there will be far fewer women who will seek abortions full stop, even if even if these illegal abortion pills are readily available, even if nobody is arrested for uh, consuming them, for uh, mm-hmm. d- uh, distributing them. M- there will be many women who would have gotten an abortion before Roe, who will not get an abortion after Roe. So let's just let's just start there. By by virtue of these abortion laws, I think most people are law-abiding citizens, even in difficult scenarios. The fact that there's already a thrust for a mother to want to keep her child, and I, you know, there are enough women who are already making difficult choices. I think that that uh, group will just grow. So I think that even even with this black market of abortion pills, there will be you know thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of lives saved. But in terms of how do we actually address that, mm-hmm. I mean. This is what's difficult. It comes down to what what you think the role of uh, role of uh, federal government should be. So, you know, are you comfortable with more of a, a nanny state with with heavily policing? Do you support the drug wars, or do you see it as once there's a substance, it's impossible to stop people from taking it? So. I mean, this, this is kind of above our pay grade. We so far have been human rights act advocates and activists. We're not so much um, those who are trying to figure out how to enforce laws. That's, that's a second step. So I, I think, I mean, I think we don't even know where this is going to go. I mean, we can have a general thrust, but it's, it's going to be a, a brave new world, and it's going to be important for us to fight out against the misinformation from the pro-abortion lobby. And you know, not to uh, name check somebody, but none so bad as Dr. Daniel Grossman. So uh, this is an abortion doctor who is a a public advocate for now the politically correct term is self-managed abortions. Mm. So I I saw this the moment Roe v. Wade was threatened, the, the rhetoric changed from the the abortion lobby whereas they used to say we need roe because it's dangerous for women to perform abortions on themselves the moment they saw that roe was about to fall they changed the narrative to say how can you not trust women to manage their own abortions that was what one abortion doctor said to me on twitter and and i said we we just spent decades debating about how dangerous it is (laughs) for women to take abortion care into their own hands. And now you're saying it's paternalistic and that it's dangerous to not allow women to manage their own abortions, even though we know, I mean, all you have to do is see the movie Unplanned. uh, Right. That's what I keep thinking about. Yeah. How difficult that experience is. And I mean, I, I liked your point about, you know, California, these supposed sanctuary state Illinois has already made efforts right. like that. So I remember a couple of years ago, there was a, a hotel chain that offered free rooms to women who are coming to Illinois for abortions. And uh, Kelly Cassidy right. Right. actually proposed legislation yep. whereby there would be a fund created from Illinois taxpayer funds to have people come into our state for their abortions. And oh, I think we'll see I, that. I do.
1: Oh, I think we'll see there's that. no
4: doubt. Right. I mean, we've already seen billboards at at our state border, right, uh, with other uh, neighboring states saying, "Come to Illinois for your abortions."
1: Well, so the, the governor wrote a letter to major corporations in Texas asking them to relocate. Yeah, because of these great abortion laws, which makes no sense to me. Whatever. You can't get businesses to come otherwise. So, so come that's... here for to help eliminate your future customers. That makes a lot of sense, uh, Steve. I got to run. Um, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, you're you're making me think, and I and I. I'm, I'm kind of very intrigued by this like where is this going from here and I think a lot of us are kind of grappling with that now that like you said it's finally here I think well let's hope it's here we don't know that for certain but Sure. I, I, we feel good about our chances, and but now the question is what does this all mean and how do we do it? But uh, I agree with your point about the law being the teacher. That is true. That is a very good point, and it's good to keep in mind when you start getting in this sort of like uh, wh- what does this all mean moment, and I yeah. think that's what we're all grappling with. Steve, thanks so much for taking some time this morning. Merry Christmas to you and, and, and your family. I hope you're well, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon in the next uh, couple months and years ahead great thank you great all right right. thank you for having me thank you we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna kind of continue with the same subject in some ways we're gonna talk about to kevin grillo he is the director of we dignify and they're gonna have a march for life in chicago uh i think it's january 8th and he'll be talking to us about that don't go away we'll be right back
6: Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, Catholic Charities has continued to respond to the needs of people who come to us for assistance. More than 850,000 meals and food parcels have been offered to those who are struggling with food insecurity. Over 108,000 Homelessness Prevention Hotline calls have been answered. Over 22,000 people have received mental health services and $2 million in financial assistance has been provided to keep people housed. If you or someone you know needs assistance, email us at gethelp at catholiccharities.net. That's gethelp at catholiccharities.net. Or call 312-655-7700. That's 312-655-7700. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you.
0: I am a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continuing to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too, and it it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash seminarianfund or call 312-534-7959.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois, and thank you for uh, taking some time to join our program, listen to our program here this morning. You could watch it or listen to it. Uh, On the line with us, we hope we have Kevin Grillo. He is the executive director of We Dignify, and we have him live in person. Isn't this wonderful? Wow, that's great. Hi, Kevin. How are you?
3: Bob, I'm doing well. How are you doing?
1: Great, great. Sounds good. We can see you. This is too good to be true. Um, So, Kevin is the, uh, what is your title? Executive Director of a group called We Dignify. Um, But we're talking mostly about We Dignify's role in the March for Life. Tell us about the March for Life coming up in Chicago, or in Illinois, really. Or in the Midwest, maybe, I should say.
3: What a beautiful growth that's happened that it used to be talking about just Chicago, then Illinois, and then now marching across the Midwest. So we oversee leading students on campus, but then also the March by Chicago. And this is coming up just days away. It's gonna come very fast. We have New Year's, uh, obviously Christmas is right around the corner of New Year's. And then on January 8th, thousands of people are preparing to return to downtown Chicago to March. And we are expecting people as far away from, right now a group just registered coming from Detroit, Michigan, as well as all the way over to Sioux City, Iowa. So this has really become hundreds of miles away. People are coming to Chicago to the tribe, Chicago, in just less than three weeks away.
1: And yeah, Kevin has the unique, uh, enviable position of promoting an event like that happens right after Christmas and right after New Year's. So it's really kind of an interesting sort of promo opportunity we have like right now, right here this week. Um, tell us a little bit about it's not only the March. So the March is the big event. And that starts where, when, um, on January
3: 8th? Sure, this has become what used to be, I mean, Bob, in 2013, there were 150 of us on a sidewalk. Right. And it was tiny. And then in the last eight, nine years, things have exploded and and really increased a lot with growth to where 9,000 people were flooding the streets in 2020. If you can imagine a lot of people together in 2020, this was in January of 2020. Right. Things changed. And so it's now grown into an entire weekend experience where we have a lot of people arriving Friday night, staying at the Hilton, right on Michigan Avenue, where there's like a room block rate and a really affordable opportunity there. Because Saturday morning is an entire convention with over 45 organizations having booths and exhibitors. We have then uh, educational breakouts have been added this year. So at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, you can go to a breakout with expert speakers, whether you're wondering about what kind of Illinois law impacts the Midwest, whether you're wondering how to reverse an abortion pill, or maybe you're wondering about the sex ed bill that's going into implementation next summer. You can There's actually a great hear from Bob for that, that one, That's right? a great,
1: that's the best one I've heard. That's what I've heard. So right?
3: <laughs> you hear the, the speaker for that is very unique. Right. And oh, so yeah. these are all happening in the morning and then, Then people are going from the Hilton, which is just 720 South Michigan Avenue, and they're walking over to Federal Plaza, 50 West Adams, and it's a short 15-minute walk. That is where the rally is at. The rally starts at 1 p.m., and then we are marching immediately following, and the route then goes through the city a little bit and then down Michigan Avenue for high visibility and back to the Hilton. So this is, and then the Hilton after that's about three o'clock, and then there's more convention. There's a Mass for Life, which Bishop Bartosic is saying. Oh, there is all kind, of, and there's a banquet that evening. This is really a jam packed weekend, but it's because people not only come to be march and show a public witness, but are bringing hundreds of people to learn and grow and serve.
1: You know, our last speaker uh, was Steve Jacobs from uh, LNA Right to Life, and we were talking a little bit about the impact of the uh, Dobbs hearing the other day uh, from the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, And so there's a lot of energy around the possibility that Roe might fall. Uh, In in a couple months here, uh, we were also talking about the unfortunate uh, news we got on Friday of the governor signing the repeal of the Illinois parental notification law. So there's a lot going on right now in the pro-life world, and there's some things to be optimistic about, and there's some things we need to continue working on. But, uh, you know, these types of events that, like, Kevin has put on and uh, the, the rally that's been going on for, for years uh, that's growing and growing and growing, um, even though we're in Illinois, which is not uh, really a bastion of pro-life laws, we still see the fruits of that, those activities in, in, in other states and, and all across the country. Because I, I, what Steve was saying earlier is what we want to try to do is to continue to really to change the culture. Um, it, to, to get it to a level such that abortion is, is not even like on somebody's radar screen when they're pregnant. And so, yes, it's true that I mean, maybe politically we have some losses here in Illinois, but what we dignify and all these other groups are doing as they get together and they march in the streets is they're a public witness to that eventuality of that, there's a lot of people that want to help change the culture. And I because we may lose politically, that doesn't mean there's a heck of a lot of people in the how many people are in Illinois The 13 million people that don't agree with us, they do. And I think when they see people walking in the streets, that's an affirmation of where they are, too. So it's a good thing to participate in. Um, Starts at one o'clock. Well, well, the march starts at one o'clock. But the rally is
3: right at one o'clock at Federal Plaza. Right. And.
1: But what I really would like to do is have people participate in any or all the activities that you have going on. And if you're not from the area, you just want to stay down there. The room rate is still available at the Hilton. Is that the case?
3: Yeah, until December 29th, you have a $99 room rate. So it's very... How much? For downtown Chicago, just $99 a night.
1: Yeah, wow, that is good.
3: It's very... yeah. We're very excited to have that because what people have found—they want to march and inspire—but you're right, Bob. People want to do more, mm-hmm. and you can shape the culture. Last year, we did a massive diaper drive, and we're bringing that back to raise 5,695 boxes of diapers that people are bringing to the convention, and then we'll distribute to pregnancy resource centers. So this is a tangible way to learn, serve, as well as march.
1: Yeah. I think you've done a really good job in those educational sessions of of giving people a lot of options on what they could uh, attend in terms of educating themselves further or getting direction about what issues are out there um, and how to get more engaged if they they want to get engaged or just simply learn um, and which would which would build on activity in the future. So there's a lot going on um, starting really well. If, if, if you check in Friday night if you want. Uh, start Saturday morning with some of those education sessions, and then you can participate in the rally. And then you said, Kevin, there's, so there's after the the rally, uh, the march that goes from Federal Plaza back to the Hilton, uh, and then there's more activities there that night in, as well. You said there's then then there's the mass on Saturday night.
3: Yes, and the mass is at four p.m. on Saturday, so it does count for your Sunday obligation you as well. Individual <laughs> mass. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you have uh,
1: anyway. you have a website and everything that that lays this all out and what what is that website if people need further information? Marchforlifechicago.org Okay. Marchforlifechicago.org mm-hmm. and it's not only like I said don't think that that title is a little misleading because it's not just it's it's a March for Life in Chicago but it's really for the entire state and and like you said I mean it's kind of for the whole Midwest. Well I
3: think yeah absolutely because Chicago Unfortunately, as a county, it performs more abortions than any other county in the Midwest. Illinois alone performs more abortions than every each and every state it, it neighbors combined. So the problem is right in Chicago, it's right in Illinois. And it's it's impacting lives across the Midwest because regional abortion clinics are open in Illinois and then reaching and attracting people from out of state. So this is our opportunity and people are responding from out of state and across the Midwest in a way that we have not seen before that we've done a, a massive job when we to, to promote and spread the word in the last three or four years. And the Midwest is responding because we are rooted in a lot of family. Right. Midwest cares about our neighbor, and our community, and we recognize the impact that you can't just say, oh, that's in Illinois. We don't have to worry about that. We have people, you know, you can't just say, that's in Chicago, we don't have to worry about that. We have neighbors right next to us that care about the lives and are coming. And they're bringing groups. A lot of youth groups are coming. There's a youth rally in the morning, on Saturday morning as well at the convention. People want to continue the education, continue to learn, and continue to shape the lives because each breakout is actually centered around what can you do when you go back home. Right, exactly. That's one of the things that, we're excited for everyone and thousands of people are coming, but everyone has a responsibility when they go off from marching to be that witness and also to serve right in their community. So we're giving people an opportunity to, to get equipped to do that because we, had, you're right to change a culture. You have to go from a person to a community and then you can several communities together can start changing culture.
1: The website again is wedignify.org
3: is God. for the overall organization, but... If you're checking out details for January 8th, which is coming up fast, mm-hmm. you want to go to MarchForLifeChicago.org. March. March
1: MarchForLifeChicago.org. It's Saturday, January 8th. Uh, starts in the morning. The March, like I said, is 1 o'clock, and then there's other activities in the afternoon. And uh, so you don't have the excuse of you have to stay home and watch a Bears playoff game because you don't have anything to worry about there. They're not in the playoffs. So uh, there's no reason to come out. And so far, the weather's been good. Let's hope that stays. Uh, You never know about January 8th. Uh, It could be good, could be bad. But so far, we've been been doing pretty well. So uh, people will come out regardless of the weather. Kevin, thanks for taking some time this morning. Really good event. Hope everybody goes and participates in it. And uh, you know how to get a part of the March for Life Chicago. And uh, looking forward to a really successful event. Thanks, Kevin.
3: Thanks so much, Bob. Thanks.
1: Appreciate it. Uh, don't go away, everybody. We'll be right back. We're going to come back and talk about the uh, scholarship tax credit. Uh, talk about how to donate to it. It's a very successful program that's been around for a couple of years now. Uh, so let's see. We will have Marguerite Zappa uh, talking about it with his in about two minutes. So don't go away. We'll be right back.
5: Catholic Charities Veterans Employment Services help veterans find and maintain employment through job readiness training, resume writing assistance, mock interviews, and job placement counseling. We work with a wide array of employers and community partners to help veterans reach their career goals. We owe a debt of gratitude to all of our veterans for the sacrifices they made to serve our nation. It is our privilege now to assist them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Employment Program in Cook County, call 773-808-2954. In Lake County, call 847-782-4219. You can also learn more at catholiccharities.net. To all United States Veterans, thank you for your service.
0: We've been together in spirit and now when you are ready our doors are open wide nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par nasze drzwi and we're here to welcome you back to catholic mass
5: Catholic Charities in Lake County provides a comprehensive range of social services supporting individuals, families, and older adults. These include crisis assistance, shelter, clothing, family support, counseling, legal assistance, primary health care, and specialized services for seniors and veterans. Grab and go meals and food pantries help those who are experiencing food insecurity, Plus, We have a diaper depot to support low-income families and their infants. If we can assist you or someone you know, please call Catholic Charities of Lake County at 847-782-4000. That's 847-782-4000.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois, and uh, thanks for joining our program here this morning. In the last segment, we want to talk a little bit about the scholarship tax credit program. Um, I think most listeners, viewers know about this program that was passed back in 2017. Um, I can still hear that music. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the scholarship tax credit program uh, that was passed back in 2017, and it's an excellent program in that it does afford uh, the opportunity for a middle-to-low-income family to earn uh, a scholarship uh, to uh, hopefully attend a, a non-public school of their choice. The program has been running successfully now for like four I think we're in our fourth year or fifth year, and uh, well, quite frankly, the the program runs off donations, and uh, we need individuals to donate to it, but there is a strong incentive to donate to it. Um, The best way to find out uh, about that is to go—there are two major scholarship-granting organizations that the Archdiocese, and the five other Catholic dioceses um, in Iraq with. They are, uh, number one, Big Shoulders Foundation, which I'm sure that many listeners and viewers have heard of. Uh, they've been around for for decades now, um, raising money to provide scholarships for low-income kids and their families. And secondly is a newer uh, scholarship-granting organization. It's called Empower Illinois. Both are excellent organizations. You can go to their websites, both of them. You can Google Empower uh, or Big Shoulders uh, information will come up um, on your computer and it'll show you how to donate to these. Now, the, here's the key. It's, it's, it's a better program to donate to in terms of the, the potential money you get back than just about any other program you can find because every dollar that you donate, um, you can get up to 75 cents back uh, in terms of a tax credit. So um, there's a good incentive to do so uh, all that money that's raised, uh, well, nearly all of that money, uh, will go to afford a scholarship to uh, a family. And there is now, uh, in Illinois, been about $60 million raised each year. Uh, I think we have currently about 5,000 students on scholarship. But the, the, the frustrating part for uh, those of us who are familiar with the program is that we, we still have more room to grow. Uh, we have many more scholarships, uh, people applying than are, we're able to give. So we desperately uh, want your help um, to, to, to donate to the program. And, uh, as I indicated earlier, this is definitely the time to do so because if you do so today, I feel like somebody on a telethon right now, um, there's a matching program and individuals have stepped up. And so for every dollar that you donate will be matched by another dollar. So, uh, it's an excellent way to help, uh, kids who are in disadvantaged situations, who really want to attend a, a school of, of of their choice, and uh, it, it, the best way to do it is to donate. Like I said, to empower Illinois uh, and to uh, Big Shoulders Illinois, and the and another incentive for this program, if I can, is just to you can also earmark your contribution. So if you have a particular affinity to a, a Catholic school or non or another non public school, you can earmark those donations specifically to that school. And if you don't know which school to donate to, you can just put it in the general pot and, and those people who administer funds will, will distribute it to those most needy. Or if you want to dedicate, you want to earmark those funds to a particular diocese, you can do so. If you're in the Rockford Diocese, Joliet Diocese, you can make sure the money goes there. So there's really no reason to do this, um, especially now. Here we approach the end of the year. Uh, Some people are looking at their uh, tax contributions as we get to December 31st of 2021. Uh, And so it's a better time as any to uh, make sure that uh, people are able to uh, attend a scholarship school of their choice. So I hear the music. It's probably time to wrap up. Uh, This is Bob Gilligan. Thank you to all our guests this morning. Thanks to uh, Steve Jacobs from Illinois Rights Life about the excellent conversation about the... uh, the, the Dobbs decision uh, Kevin Grillo from We Dignify Please come out on January 8th And finally the Christopher Ross From Catholic Charities USA This is Bob Gilligan This is the last show of the year We'll be back in 2022 For uh, 12 more shows We'll do once a month On the third Monday of the month Thanks everybody for listening Have a Merry Christmas Great New Year And a uh, wonderful and prosperous 2022